happy summer, everybody. Great to see you guys. Let's welcome the rest of our campuses who are joining us today. Glad you guys are here for our new series, Grillin'. Uh, welcome to our big old barbecue at Liquid Church. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but for our family around the Lucas house, it is barbecue season. Do we have anybody else who is passionate about grilling? Make some noise if you are passionate. The grill masters or guilt mistresses. Uh, I love grilling meat or veggies, doesn't matter. My philosophy, if you can kill it, might as well grill it, right? In fact, uh, my kids want to get me one of those kind of like dad grilling aprons uh, for Father's Day, but we couldn't choose. Uh, my, there were so many versions. My favorite was this one. I like pig butts and I cannot lie. That to me, I was like, I would wear that, you know? My wife was like, women want me, cows fear me, you know? Vegans are like, don't make me burn your weenies. That is an actual one available on Amazon, but I chose the grill father, you know? I'm going to make you a sausage you can't refuse, you know, kind of thing. Uh, grill is a great American pastime. If you're like me, like every weekend between now and August, like booked up with, you know, barbecues uh, in the backyard, you know, pool parties down the beach, whatever it is. It's really a great way just to kind of chill and grill with your family and friends. Which is why I wanted to do this series, because um, I know something about you. Every one of us here, at some point, this is going to be you, right? You're going to be, uh, you know, with friends down the beach, or at a block party with some neighbors over, and uh, it's kind of a time where we let down our hair, and if we're honest, we tend to forget about God, right? A lot of times when we go on vacation physically, we go on vacation spiritually, and forget all about the fact that, like, God put you and me in strategic relationships with, with, with those we love who are right next door, who actually need to know about the real Jesus. I mean, quick show of hands. How many of you have next door neighbors who like aren't interested in church, faith, religion? Maybe you have some relatives who are a little bit, you know, down on, uh, you know, Christianity or whatever it is. At its heart, grilling is about personal evangelism. Or how do you, how do you share your faith? How do you share the good news of Christ with your family and friends without being weird? You know, how, how do you do it like in a way that's as natural as a backyard barbecue where there's no arm twisting or pulpit preaching needed? And what I want to do today is just kind of teach you how to share like the story of Jesus in a way that pairs naturally with burgers or a beer, okay? Because let's be real. If like you can't share your faith with people while you're wearing flip-flops, you are never going to share your faith. And as, as followers of Jesus... Uh, we're supposed to make disciples. And that just simply means, it's not complicated, but it means sharing the hope that you have in Christ with neighbors and coworkers, family and friends. But that presents a problem. Because what I have found is when it comes to evangelism, even that word evangelism, right? You think of a guy with big hair and a white ice cream suit. Uh, when you hear about evangelism, a lot of times, modern Christians, let's just be honest, we can act sort of, what's the word? Weird, Right? I mean, take for instance, right, when you go to a barbecue, like, you don't want to be that guy. You know that guy I'm talking about? You ever have that guy, like, say you're out grilling in the backyard, right? Everyone's there. The, the burgers are on the barbecue. The drinks are flowing. The, the music's going. We're listening to Jack Johnson. And then that guy comes into the barbecue wearing this T-shirt, all right? Take a look at this thing. It's a smiling taco. Want to talk about Jesus? Let us pray, okay? I saw this thing on vacation, and I was like, I need to have that, uh, because that is a powerful evangelism tool right there. Uh, actually, got to be a tool to wear it. But, you know, guy, guy, right? Guy walks into a barbecue, hey, want to talk about Jesus? You're like, I'm over here by the burgers, get more buns, you know, just stay away, right? Nobody wants to be that guy. 
And I think that's what a lot of people think evangelism is. It's like, well, you know, you got to be cheesy or like awkward or, or worse. You got to put down this like high pressure sales pitch, uh, you know, to make people feel a little bit of guilt about God. Uh, you ever hear this one? Uh, hey, I know we just met, but if you were to die right now, uh, why should God let you into heaven? And like strangers are like, are you like threatening me? Like, I don't even know what to do with that, you know? The truth is that's not evangelism. That is grilling people or force feeding them the gospel, which tends to push people away from God, not towards him. In fact, I read this fascinating book. It's called, I Once Was Lost, What Postmodern Skeptics Taught Us About Their Path to Jesus. And the authors, it's the stories of people who actually weren't Christians. 2,000 people had nothing to do with Christ. But over time, they'd actually come to put their faith in him as their Lord and Savior. Fascinating book. You read a couple hours. Very insightful. And the authors note this. They say, in another day and age, God, religion, and church enjoyed the general respect of the culture. Not today. Religion is suspect. Church is weird. And Christians are hypocrites. Distrust has become the norm. People are tired of the sales tactics often employed by Christians and are offended by our bait-and-switch attempts at introducing them to Jesus. You know, I read that, I thought, you know, I think that's accurate. In fact, I can think of four friends, you know, in my own life, Paul, who is a, uh, Paul's a waiter, uh, you know, and he, uh, he's distrustful of Christians because he was once told he's going to hell because he's gay. And I think of my friend Bobby, who was in college when a professor said, hey, the Bible is full of mistakes, historical errors, you can't trust that. My friend Jill, she, you know, she watched the movie The Da Vinci Code, then she read the book The Da Vinci Code, and she's like, Christianity is one big conspiracy. Uh, it's, all meant to supp- it's all about suppression of women. Um, Susan actually grew up Christian home, was welcome at church until she got divorced. And then she was shunned, and she was judged and kind of kicked to the curb. See, you have people in your life that you could name. Unfortunately, in today's world, most people, when they hear you're a committed Christian or, or follower of Jesus, they go from like relaxed to rigid. They go from open to closed because a lot of thoughts go through their head. Oh, evangelical Christians are self-righteous. They're holier than thou. They're going to, you know, preach at me or judge me. Or Christians are narrow-minded. I better get my guard up because they're going to start like, you know, stuffing right-wing politics down my throat. But the reality is, guys, That's nothing like the evangelism that Jesus modeled in the Bible. Jesus never twisted anybody's arm. He never manipulated conversations. He never did the bait and switch. He he never never wore a t-shirt and say, want to talk about me, right? And, and, And Jesus never acted holier than thou, though he was. In short, Jesus never acted weird. He acted normal and natural. Jesus loved parties. Jesus loved being with everyday people, just listening to their their heart, their hurts, their hopes, their dreams. He was a master at meeting people right where they were and really understanding what's going on in their lives and then introducing them to the love of their heavenly father. Evangelism is supposed to be natural. It's organic. So for the next two weeks, we're just going to learn how to share the gospel like Jesus did, over a burger or a beer at a barbecue, okay? Instead of grilling people or force-feeding them and making them feel awkward. Now, I want to make a quick disclaimer, because if you're like visiting today or, or you're here and you're not a Christian, you may be like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> like, you're going to talk about it, talk to people like me, okay? You actually, it's a perfect day for you, because you get to kind of sit down and like eavesdrop on a family barbecue. So let me tell you why we're doing this. Because as Christians, when it comes to sharing our faith, 
if I could just be super honest, a lot of times we suck at it. We're not very good. We get all weird and awkward when we're just trying to be normal. And so understand, this is not, this is not a seminar like, how do you convert non-Christians, okay? This is how can Christians follow Jesus without being all religious and preachy, okay? So this is actually for your benefit. I, I, we're not here to convert you. I hope you're, you know, you, I just want you to know we're working on it. We're learning how to follow Jesus more organically. So thank you for your patience with us. Because I really think this, sharing the love of, of Christ in your life, it should, it should be as natural as grilling with close friends in your backyard. I mean, think about it. If you invite people, you invite me over to your house, what's the first thing you say when people come over to your house for a barbecue? Hey, you want a, uh, what, want a, yeah, <laughs> beer? Okay, <laughs> this is church, okay, dude? Uh, let's see what I got here, let's see what we got. I got, uh, I got Arizona iced tea here, I got mucho mango, who wants mucho mango? Who wants it? Right here, okay? Good hands, Anthony. Good hands, good hands. I'm coming. You, you sure? Stand up. Come on, closer, closer. Don't hit your sister. There you go. Awesome. Oh, okay, almost, almost, almost. And I see you've got, oh, the sister's like, she's jealous. Here's a, here's a Coca-Cola. Your parents will thank me. Anthony, I'm going to hand this one to you. This is a big one, okay? That's yours. Okay, there you go. Little communion there. I got all sorts of stuff. What do you want to drink? Vitamin, oh, this is my favorite. My favorite summertime. You guys know this one? Arnold Palmer. You guys know what this is? It's actually half lemonade, half vodka. It is so, this is going to be a great sermon today, right? <laughs> guys, this is how evangelism starts. It's as natural as actually sitting down with someone and saying, hey, you want a drink? This is how Jesus modeled it for us in John chapter 4. If you want to look in your Bible or even in your program notes, I'll give you a few notes on this. We're going to see how Jesus shares the good news naturally about himself over a cold one. And this is going to look different than you assume, because I think a lot of people assume, well, evangelism is following this, you know, this stilted script or some sort of religious you know, sales pitch, but it's neither. In fact, Jesus shows us that evangelism begins by simply being a host and saying, hey, you want something to drink? Look at verse 4 with me. Here's what it says. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about what time? The sixth hour. You guys know what time that is, Western time? It's about 12 noon, okay? The day began at 6 a.m., sun up, ended at 6 p.m., sundown. Sixth hour means it was 12 noon, the sun's overhead. So I want you to imagine Jesus is tired, right? He's been walking all day. The guy's wearing flip-flops. We don't know. Is it reefs? Is it rainbows? We don't know, okay? So he, he sits down by this well. Now watch what happens here. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, now just brace yourself. What's he going to say? These, this is evangelism. He's going to blow her mind. These are going to be profound words of deep spiritual wisdom. Let's read Jesus' words out loud together. Ready? Here it is. Will you give me a Woo! Jesus is like, oh, man. Mm. Oh, thank God. Thank me. <laughs> right? Now, notice he doesn't start, hey, if you were to die tonight, uh, he, he doesn't, you know, want to talk about me. You know, he doesn't hand her a tractor or even quote himself. And so what's he do? He says, man, I've been, it's hot out. I have been working all day. My dogs are barking. You got something to drink? 
And here Jesus models for us the first very simple step of evangelism, which is to act natural and ask good questions. If you're taking notes, it's the first step. This is not rocket science, guys. This is not like high-level theology. How many of you were here for our series on the seven churches of Revelation? You guys remember that, right? Yeah, very powerful series like Revelation, End Times book and everything. Let me tell you something. You walk into a barbecue and you start opening, you you know, your opening line is like, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? Because when he returns, he's got fire in his eyes, a sword coming out of his mouth and a robe dipped in blood. Ain't nobody sticking around for your barbecue. It doesn't matter what kind of ribs you're grilling, okay? The first step of sharing your faith in Christ is just to ask normal questions like, like, hey, got something to drink? Imagine you walk into a barbecue this afternoon, you know? Maybe it's been a while since you've seen your buddy. It's very natural. You, you say, hey, you know, how's the family going? I ha- I've seen you, but I haven't seen you and uh, Kelly in a while. How's the new baby? How's things going? Or maybe you're standing there on a Saturday and your buddy's phone just keeps going off, bzz, 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 you know, vibrating in the back pocket. You know, what, what's going on? You say, work's still crazy? I thought like, you know, busy season was like in the spring. The authors of I Once Were Lost says, um, learning to ask good questions is at the heart of evangelism in the mold of Jesus. You see, Jesus loved asking questions. Did you know this? In the Gospels, he was asked 183 questions, of which he only answered three directly. The other 180, he answered that question with a question. (laughs) So Jesus didn't have Q&A sessions. He had Q&Q sessions. He asked good questions, and so should we. We should ask good questions. Here's why. Because when you do, you know what happens, right? Relationships start to build, and people start to open up. Look what happens in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And you get a little note here, for Jews don't associate with Samaritans. They were like natural enemies, you know, it's kind of like you're at a barbecue and you're talking to some dude. You're like, hey, you're a baseball fan? Yeah, oh, I'm a baseball fan. Oh, did you see the game last night? Yeah, dude, wasn't that amazing? I'm a Yankees fan. And they're like, oh, I'm a Red Sox fan. You're like, you're going to hell. I'm not, I'm not going to bother evangelizing, you know? Uh, these guys are natural enemies. The Jews were considered God's chosen people and the Samaritans were considered half-breeds. So there's like actually racial tension. But Jesus, look what he's doing in here. He's building a bridge right in the backyard. Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you what? Living water. You see what's happening? All of a sudden, a simple question leads to this deeper discussion. Again, I've been to barbecues, and it's not rocket science. You know, I, I remember asking my one buddy, I said, you know, hey, you want to, you're calling. He's like, oh, yeah, whew. Let's go, what's going on? He's like, oh, hell of a week. Sorry, you're a pastor. Heck of a week. Uh, you know, things aren't good with me, me and Kelly. Now, at that moment, You can either shut it down, just sort of step over it, or you can do what Jesus does and drill down deeper, which if you're taking notes, is really the second kind of step of evangelism. It's like, you know, what's going on? He's like, well, honestly, Tim, things have, like, the baby changed everything, you know? (laughs) We thought, like, it was going to draw us closer together, but, like, we're on different planets, you know? She's, like, all about the kid. I'm all about work. You'll be surprised, guys. People are more ready then you realize to go there. The question is, will you and I actually have the courage, the spiritual guts to drill down deeper to what's going on in their heart? Notice with the Samaritan woman, Jesus connects a a physical need, right? Hey, I'm thirsty, you're thirsty, 
with a spiritual reality, living water. And that connection between the physical and spiritual thirst, guys, that's like right under the hood of our everyday conversations. Think of it this way. Whenever you like get, you know, those, those surface symptoms, you know, you go to coffee with a girlfriend and she makes this offhanded comment or, you know, shares some fear about the kids or something or, or a guy who kind of snaps at everything, you know, the smallest thing. If you scratch just under the surface, you will often discover a deeper pain, a marriage that's struggling. Kids who are flying off the handle and you can't really control them anymore or a health issue. When I think of my buddy who I was at the, uh, the barbecue with, I, I said, you know, well, tell me, what's, what's going on with you and Kelly? By the way, I'm not using, like, real names. These are not, like, exact names, okay? <laughs> uh, and he's like, you know what? Same old shtick. He wasn't, I'm not using exact words either, okay? <laughs> and I'm like, well, what, what's going on? He's like, dude, work is crazy right now. We're, like, laying off a half dozen people, and I have, like, I'm second-guessing myself. Like, my whole team is like, when's the ax going to fall? And now I'm responsible for this. He goes, it's like, I'm not, I'm not winning at work, and I'm not winning at home either. See, if you drill down deeper, you will suddenly find yourself in some very meaningful conversations that reveal the heart of the matter. And that's what Jesus is always after, the heart. In fact, look what happens here if you skip down to verse 15. The woman said to him, Jesus, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. So she's, she's still on the kind of the surface level, but Jesus goes deeper. Watch this. He told her, oh, why don't you go, uh, go call your husband and come back? I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. And you say you have no husband. And the uh, fact is, you, uh, you've been married before, right? Was it five husbands? And the man you're with now, he's, he's not your husband. He, what you've said is quite true. Oh, no, he did. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> in our culture, I was taught there are three things you don't talk about in polite company. Politics, what else? Sex, religion. Don't go there. And Jesus is like, you go right there, actually. That is key here. And you got to understand this. You don't have to be afraid. Go to the heart. That's the third step of relational evangelism. When you ask good questions, when you dig deeper, Jesus goes straight to the heart with this woman. He's like, you know, I know, I know you've got five relationships. And the, the guy I saw you at the mall with is like, are you guys now together too? In other words, is it possible you, is it possible you have a hole in your bucket? Do you remember tiny detail about this passage? What time is the barbecue? What time? 12 noon. In other words, this is the Middle East. The hottest part of the day in the hottest part of the world. In that culture, women went to collect water twice a day. Sun up, sun down. The coolest parts of the day. This woman waits until 12 noon when the sun is at its peak, blazing down, beating down. In other words, nobody else is there. Everybody else is where? inside. They're in the shade. No one's out in the sun except Jesus. Why do you think she waited until 12 noon to go out to get water? Do you, do you, do you think that maybe, just maybe, she was ashamed? Ashamed of this string of broken relationships, of failed marriages, of her current living boyfriend? Do, do you think maybe she just didn't even want to deal anymore with people's, you know, dirty looks or judgmental comments? See, Jesus knows this, but he doesn't shy away from her. 
he actually moves towards her. He goes there, not to shame her, not to make her feel bad. He goes there because he knows deep hurts reveal the heart. He's like, you know, I, I understand we're talking about, you know, water, or <laughs> water here, but it sounds like you got a deeper issue, you know? Is it possible that maybe you're drawing water from the wrong well, you know? Like, like, like maybe you're after a, a love that no man will ever be able to fill. Deep hurts reveal the heart. Jesus is always after the heart. He is not after politics. He's not after shaming people for sleeping together. He's not even after trying to just get pagans to convert to Christianity. Jesus is after something more valuable, more eternal. That is your heart, your soul. Wherever you are in that spiritual spectrum, every one of us, we have this like innate deep thirst for the unshakable love and grace of God. We want to know we're okay. We want to know we're accepted. And that's why Jesus goes there. That's why you and I got to go there to the heart of the matter with those we love. You know, my friend, when he said, um, you know, I'm not winning at work. I'm not winning at home. I was like, what, what, do you mean, what do you mean you're not winning at home? And he was like, well, things are weird with me and Kelly. Look, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. We haven't even slept in the same room for two months, Tim. And I was like, whoa, whoa wait, whoa. And right there, I got a choice to make, right? Do I lean in and go there? Or do I pretend I didn't, I didn't really hear that, I don't think? <laughs> or I change the subject, like, I think the, the, the burgers are burning. <laughs> the woman at the well actually tries to change the subject. Look at verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. You know some things about me. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus starts getting personal, and so she gets all religious, right? You see what she's doing here? She's like, this is a smokescreen. She's like, let's, let's talk uh, and get in a religious debate. Well, who worships where? Because it was Samaritans versus Jews. It was two different camps. It was conservatives versus liberals. Thank heavens we're past that today, right? We don't have that in our culture. It's the same exact climate. Liberal versus conservative. Which are you? What's your position? And this is what I find a lot of times in modern, modern culture. When people find out I'm a pastor, particularly if you're like, you're a Christian pastor, do you know one of the first questions they ask me? What's your position on gay marriage? Where, where do you stand on gay marriage? That's like one of the number one questions. In other words, let's have a political debate. But you're going to see something. Notice Jesus doesn't actually take the bait, and neither should you. Why? Because a debate is never about the heart. It's a litmus test. Debates have one purpose. It's to divide people, right? Who's for, who's against, black and white. It avoids the messiness of the human heart, of relationships, that's why religious debates never connect people to God. They only divide and embitter. So step number four, Jesus says, is to simply avoid religious debate. Now think of how ironic this is. This woman is sitting and having coffee time with Jesus, the son of God, who is about to lay down his life on a cross, resurrect from the dead. And Jesus is like, can we talk about something else besides religion? Jesus doesn't go there with her because he realizes people like to play theological games. People don't want to talk about the heart because they're worried their true motives will be exposed, right? You know, sometimes I'll have uh, folks will come up to me. I had this one guy, he comes up, he says, hey, earnest young man. He said, Pastor, can I talk with you a minute? I was like, yeah, sure, what's up? He's like, I've been looking in the Bible, and like, I've been studying and everything, but I was wondering, I couldn't find the verse. 
I just wanted to know, like, where exactly does it say in the Bible you can't live together? Like, is there actually a verse, like, thou shalt not live together? You know, just curious. I'm like, now I always answer a question like that with a question. I said, why are you curious about that? Oh, I don't know. I'm just sort of, you know, curious. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let me guess. Let me summon all my prophetic powers here. Hey, you uh, sleeping with your girlfriend by any chance, right? See, it's very easy for us to collect theological rationalizations that just support our behavior than to deal with real matters of the heart. But Jesus never settles for that. And that's why Christians have to avoid religious political debates. Don't take the bait. Jesus didn't. In verse 21, Jesus declared, believe me, woman, the time's coming when you're going to worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. In other words, the debate will be over and it won't even matter. Skip down to verse 25. The woman said, well, I, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, so I like believe in God generically. And when he comes, he'll, he'll explain everything to us. I know I've made some mistakes and all that. This is my favorite part of the whole passage. Then Jesus declared... I, who speak to you, am what? He. See, folks, Jesus is always closer than we think in our conversations. And that's why you have to make sure that at the end of the day, you're willing to reveal Christ. That's the fifth and final step, reveal Christ. I mean, I know this sounds obvious, like, well, of course, we're talking evangelism. And let's be honest, some of us here were like, hey, I know how to ask good questions. Some of you are very good at that. You're in service industry. Um, others of you are counselors or have done your own work, and so you're like, I'm not afraid to drill down deeper. Uh, some of you are very wise and discerning. You know how to avoid religious debates where you can. But for a lot of us, we stop short of clearly and boldly revealing Christ and telling people who Jesus really is and how they, he applies to their situation and what he's doing in our life. Again, it's not easy. I'm talking to myself here. For, for my buddy at the barbecue who said, you know, I'm not winning at work. I'm not winning at home. I just was straight with him. I said, dude, I can totally relate, by, by the way. I remember when Colleen and I had kids for the first time. It was one of the most stressful seasons of our entire marriage. Like, we thought it would bring us, you know, all together, but just showed all these cracks. And honestly, I don't know how I would have survived if it wasn't for Christ. And then I'm quiet. And he goes, what? What do you mean? I was like, dude, I'm not trying to get like all preachy or something like that, but, but as men, we, right, we tend to draw our, our worth from our work in home. At least I do. I'm speaking for me, okay? For me, when things are going good at work, their thing is smooth sailing at home, then I feel like I'm winning. I'm fulfilling my purpose. But it's like just a part of the picture. There's always going to be stress at work. <laughs> There are always going to be challenges at home. And I just found I needed something like deeper, more stable, more lasting to give me that sense of like, you know, satisfaction and, 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 and of worth. And to me, that was just the love of Christ. Like just the unconditional, he, God gave me the patience that I lacked when we first had kids. As I looked to Christ, I found the commitment that I didn't have and the commitment he had to me. And I found now my, my goal is actually just drawing on the grace of God and trying to give the love of God. My goal is no longer the perfect job or the perfect marriage. The only, the only one who can satisfy your heart is the one who made it. That's what it means to reveal Christ, to simply relate what he's done in your life and what he's doing in your life. Whether it's the woman at the well or the guy at the grill, 
Jesus declared, I who speak to you, I'm he. So how are you doing with that? Because I know there are people in your life who are in crisis right now. In fact, could you think of the face of one person, the name of one person that God has put in your path? Not just to be a friend, not just a shoulder to cry on, but to actually share the love and compassion of Jesus with. Can you think of their name? I want you to imagine their face. Because it's not all up to you. The Holy Spirit's already working in their life. But I want you to think about this. God wants to speak to this person, not through me, the pastor, but through you. I mean, can you imagine what would it be like for you this week to pop a cold one and listen sympathetically and actually reveal Jesus and how he applies to your friend's situation? What's what's holding you back from sharing the good news with them? Like, are you worried, you're embarrassed, or worried about what they might think? Understand something. The Holy Spirit has already been working in their heart. And what you're doing is you're just joining Jesus in his mission to heal the brokenhearted. Let me tell you, whatever the name or faces of this one person that you're thinking of, I guarantee you something. You may have objections, but they are a lot more ready to hear the hope of Christ than you and I realize. When's it going to happen? Here I am. There you are. Here I am, desperate for love, for truth. What are you going to do when you leave this building? Are you going to share with me what you've been learning here today? Or are you just going to bottle it up and pull it out next week for your friends? Now, when I say share, I'm not talking about every tactic you've used on me in the past, like judging my every move, telling me I'm a bad person, pointing fingers, giving me disgusting looks. And my favorite is when you tell me that I'm lost. I don't even know what that means to be lost. Do you really think judging me is gonna make me change? Would it make you change? Listen to me. I need you. I need you to be here for me. I need you to walk out right now, ready and willing to do whatever it takes. It may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. But I need you to show me love. No matter the cost, show me what unconditional love really looks like. Stop telling me about this God of yours and show me who he really is. Honestly, I'll probably resist you. I'll probably argue with you and laugh at you. I'll, you know, even when you fall, I'll probably call you a hypocrite. But don't give up on me. Please don't give up on me. So I'm going to ask you, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When are you actually going to take your faith and put it into action on a street level outside of church? When are you going to have the, the spiritual guts to go there with a friend that God's put in your path? Because I, I know this about you. Over the next six weeks, 
every single person here, this is going to be you. This is going to be you. You're going to be grilling by the lake or down the shore at a block party. You're going to be talking with somebody, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, and someone's going to say, you know, you want, you want something to drink? And at that moment, you got a choice. Am I willing and open to joining Jesus in his mission to love, heal, help, and save broken hearts? Or am I just going to have another Arnold Palmer? Do you get this? The woman at the well is the guy at the grill. It's your next door neighbor. It's your friend by the beach. And never forget this. For some of you, the guy at the grill, the woman at the well, that was once you. The reason you're here today is once upon a time, somebody took the risk and spiritual courage to reveal Christ to you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of, of homework today, all right? Summer homework, all right? I know, you're like, oh, you stink, Lucas. Summer homework from church. Here's a, here's a summer homework, ready? Your homework is to go grilling, all right? Can you do that? Could you actually go grilling? I want you to look for one opportunity this summer to have a conversation of substance that points to Jesus with one person, one name, okay? You don't need to get like all religious with your friend, okay? You don't have to like, I'm gonna close the deal, turn them into a Christian. We're gonna baptize them with Gatorade right now, right here, all right? Don't get weird. Evangelism is a part of a longer process. We're gonna talk about this next week. The Holy Spirit's already at work and so you don't have to, to do anything. But what I want you to do is this. I want you to call to mind the face of one person, somebody God's put in your path who's hurting. Would you be willing to point them to Christ this summer? Could you do that? Here's what I want us to do right now. In your program today, would you just take that out? At the bottom of the notes, I left a space for you to write the first name of somebody. Don't write their full name. You can write their initials, whatever. Just the first name of that one person that God's called to mind well, I've been talking today, you know? Some of you know it instantly. I want you to click your pen, write down their first name. This is going to be a little accountability for us. Would you even be willing to pray for them a little bit this week, you know? Go ahead and write that name down. And uh, it's funny, at the last service, a guy comes to me. He's like, when you said that, I wasn't going to write their name down. I was thinking of them. And literally, as I hear people clicking pens, my phone starts vibrating. I took it out. It was them! <laughs> I was like, okay, so you're getting in stereo, buddy. Would you write down their name? And would you commit to actually praying for the opportunity to have one conversation with that person over a drink, over a burger, and point them to Christ? Share the story of what Jesus has done in your life. Could you do that? So just write down their name right now, all right? As you're writing down their name, I'm going to pray for them today. I'm going to pray for you that this summer would actually, wouldn't just go to spiritual slumber, but actually it would be for planting seeds, all right? And we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, and I've got a fun, uh, fun testimony to share with you. And what I want you to do is this. If you're done writing down that name, just put it close to your heart because I'm going to pray for them, all right? This person's close to your heart. Just put it close to your heart. I want to pray that God gives you the opportunity like the woman at the well with the guy or the gal at the grill. Let's, let's bow our heads together. Father, this is a name that's on your heart. Um, God, the only person who loves them more than we do is you because you created them. They bear your image. They are a son or daughter of the king, whether they know it or not. And Father, we believe that you sent your precious son, Jesus, to this earth to show your love. He did that by dying as a sacrifice for them. Jesus, you're the one who for some reason placed us in this person's life. For some reason, we're in reach of this person. So Father, would you use us this summer to be bold and to point this person to our Savior, Jesus? Help me to share the good news of Christ. You've made all the difference in my life. So please do the same for this person written on your heart. 
and on mine. In the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone said together, amen, amen.